appreciate that, Miss Becky. And it reminded me where the Bible says of those in the first century, these were they that turned the world upside down. And uh, that doesn't mean that they made a mess out of things. That means that they made a difference in the world that they were in. And, of course, God has got us here in 2021, and he wants us to make a difference in the world that we live in. God's given us this privilege. Take your copy of God's Word tonight and go over in the Old Testament to the book of First Chronicles. The first book of the Chronicles is what we're at tonight. Of course, we're on Route 66. If you're joining us maybe for the first time, we're going through the 66 books of the Bible. Last year, we went through the New Testament. Tonight, we are continuing in the Old Testament books. And if you notice there, the books on the shelf, we are in that blue section. We are, of course, making our way through it towards the latter part of it. And we are looking at First Chronicles. And as Brother Rogan's help us out, anybody else didn't get a copy of the outline tonight in here. I know the folks at home hopefully got one. Raise your hand if you need a copy and you can follow along. Just make sure you can write fast, okay? And so uh, First Chronicles is where we are tonight. And so uh, we're going to continue. Now I give a title to every one of these tonight. First Chronicles is the book of David's reign, the book of David's reign. And we'll give a, you received a chart along with that. We'll look at that chart here in a little bit. But if you have your Bibles open, I want you to notice a few things with me. And of course, I'm not going to go through a lot of verses here, but I just think it's interesting how God's given us his word. Notice in chapter one and verse number one, what's the very first word? What is it? Adam. And of course, this was the first man, the first person that God created, right? So it's interesting how the book begins. Now look at chapter number two. And look at the very first verse. These are the sons of who? Sons of Israel, all right? Look at chapter number three. Now, these are the sons of who? David, all right? Which were born unto him in Hebron and so on. Chapter four, the sons of Judah. Again, you see some listings. This is why I think a lot of times people struggle with the book of First Chronicles because, number one, we can't pronounce all these names. And number two, we start to get very sleepy while we're trying to go through some of these genealogies. Now, look, genealogies are important. Uh, a lot of times you can learn a lot if you take the time to go through some of these. But we won't continue here, but hopefully you're getting the idea. Now, look back in your notes tonight, and let's just go through some of this. The name of the book, of course, First Chronicles, the word chronicle means a historical record. So it is rightfully here in the books that we're calling the historical section these are notice here it means a histor historical record that is chronologically arranged now that's the book okay of first chronicles or the book of chronicles it deals with the events of the children of israel recorded in the chronicles and those events are in order now i think by now you probably have understood Maybe you're like I was. I would say for quite a few years before I came to understand that when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, not everything in the order that it's in our Bible is in chronological order. But when we look at this book, the events are in Chronicles 
they are in order. So we need to understand that as we look at this. It deals with the events of the days of the Chronicles, okay? So the contents of the book, the Chronicles, give a larger account, and we've already seen some of this. This kind of comes goes back on some of the things we've covered, but this is a larger account of the kingdom of Judah. Now, we talked about the divided kingdom. So this deals with the kingdom of Judah, the kings thereof, and it deals with that more than what is given in the preceding books. In particular, the, the book of Chronicles ascertained the genealogy of Christ that it might be clear and plain of what tribe and what family Messiah would come. Now that's important. It's important for us to understand the tribe and the family, and this helps to further establish it. It gives us a larger account of that. Now it also goes on to say that it talks about how Jesus, the Messiah, descended from the tribe of Judah, from the kings of the house of David. All right? Now look at the chart, if you have it on the, think on the back page of yours, or you can look on the screens tonight. And I want you to see this. Now we're going to focus more on the top part of this chart, but across the top, notice, and we'll cover this a little bit more, a priestly view of David's reign. This deals with the reign of David. So if you notice how we start over here in chapter 1, and some of what we barely looked at was dealing with David's family tree, the genealogies. You get beyond that into chapter 10, deals with David's throne, some of the things that start to be established there. Then you see the kingdom being expanded uh, up to chapter 21. And then you see, of course, the worship coming into view. David's heart was that he wanted to, he wanted to build a permanent dwelling place, a worship place. God would not allow him to do that, but some things were established in David's day. And then towards the end of the, this particular book, 1 Chronicles, David's kingdom passed on to his son, Solomon. Now remember that just like we saw in, in 1 and 2 Kings, these books that were larger, that you would see them as the book of Chronicles, but it has been divided because of the size of it. So when we get next week, it will pick up where this one leaves off as we get to 2 Chronicles. So go back to your notes there. Notice 1 and 2 Kings gives a parallel account of the two kingdoms. And notice the Chronicles confine themselves mainly to the southern kingdom. Okay, so there's, there's more of a focus on what would be called the southern kingdom of God's people. The Chronicles serve as a good commentary of much of what has been recorded in the books of Samuel's. First and second kings. First and second kings, get this now, important. It deals with or records God's dealings with Israel from the throne. First and second kings deals with God's dealings with Israel from the throne. The two chronicles, we're going to look at one of them tonight, records God's dealings with Israel from the sanctuary. There's a difference. In other words, the view, the approach. What is dealt with is different in the Chronicles than what was dealt with in the book of Kings, First and Second Kings. Now, I've given you a little uh, contrast here just so that you can see it. And there on your notes, notice on the left-hand side of your page, it says books of Samuel, First and Second Samuel, and Kings, First and Second Kings. 
And then on the right-hand side, books of the Chronicles. So notice the difference because we find one is from the throne, one is from the sanctuary. So in Samuel and Kings, we see the focus on royalty, but in the book of Chronicles, it's more a focus on religious. In Samuel and Kings, it is a focus on what is kingly. In Chronicles, it's a focus on the priestly aspect. In Samuel and Kings, it's a focus on the throne. But in the Chronicles, we find it's a focus on the temple. We find that it is political in Samuel and Kings, but it is ecclesiastical when you come to the book of Chronicles. Now, when you, when you say the word ecclesiastical, okay, that is one of the doctrines even today that we study. That's the doctrine of the church, all right? And the establishment, the institution of, certainly we do not believe that Israel is the, was the church and that the church is Israel. There are two separate entities, but we see here a focus on that which is religious, dealing with the temple, the priesthood, and so on. Now, when you go back to Samuel and Kings, you see a, the human standpoint. But when you come to Chronicles, it deals with a divine standpoint. Same thing you see in the last one there is in Samuel and Kings, it was as man ruled throughout history, the, the history of the nation of Israel. And then we find when you get to Chronicles, it's as God overruled history. So we find, again, God is in control. God is sovereign. The focus is different. That's why I love every book of the Bible, because each one is unique and it's different than the other books of the Bible. We certainly see a different focus when we come to the books of the Chronicles. Now, again, this is in that character section that is historical. The subject of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, is God's mercy and grace toward men as his co-rulers, beginning with Adam, we saw there in chapter 1, to David's enthronement, and the preparation of the temple, and then uh, again, this matter of the worship when it comes to the temple. So David's desire was to make this all come about, and of course, we see it passing on to his son Solomon. Now, the purpose of the book is to refresh the minds of the new generation returning from the Babylonian captivity. Remember the the uh, chart, maybe you can go back and refresh your memory uh, after we get done tonight or when you get home. But remember how both of these kingdoms, the two kingdoms, both of them were heading into captivity. It was a downward, by the way, America is doing the same thing today. And I don't know if it'll be a captivity. I don't know what will happen. Uh, Brother Flynn and I and others, you know, you find absolutely no mention of what we would call America in the days ahead in the Bible. I don't know what's going to happen to America. I just know that if America does not repent of her sin, we are heading in the same direction that the two kingdoms were heading, and we need to be very careful about that. But we see here that this is a generation of God's people, notice the words, returning from the Babylonian captivity, because the focus here is just on the southern kingdom, and it also deals with the genealogy of David and his greater son, the promised king, and to the foreshadow, the preparation of the temple in the making, and I love these words, Bible words, a building that is fitly framed together for inhabitation of God. Now you see that in the Old Testament, but we also see that come to light in the New Testament, and guess what? That is what we are. We'll see that tonight in 
in our study as we take the Old Testament, the shadow of things, and as they come to light in the New Testament, how the application can be made in our lives. Listen, God is still looking for a holy place that he can inhabit. And we need to make sure that our lives are fit so that God can dwell in us and God can use us. And notice here in Ephesians chapter 2, look what the Bible says. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, I love this, being the chief corner stone. If you know anything about building, there is a foundation. Things need to make sure that they are square. Well, the way building used to take place was they would set the cornerstone, and everything would, be, would come off of that cornerstone. And when I think about what the Bible says, there is no other foundation than that which has already been laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Churches today are trying to build upon man's foundation and we need to get back to the truth of the word of God and build our church on what Jesus has established. By the way, he said, I will build my church. And so the Bible says here that Jesus is our chief cornerstone. Look at the words, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. What a wonderful couple verses there and how we today need to be a place that God can dwell in, that God can work in this world that we're in. Now, when you get to the outline of 1 Chronicles, it's not a lengthy one. It's re really very basic and simple. If you break it down, we saw on the chart the first nine chapters deal with three different periods. We see the primeval period going from Adam in chapter 1 towards the end of chapter 1, Adam to Abraham, then the patriarchal period, which is Abraham to Jacob, and then the Israelitish period that begins with Jacob and goes to Saul, and that's where the first nine chapters end. Of course, chapter 10 focuses on Saul's reign, and then once you get beyond Saul's reign, his, his predecessor was David. Of course, David then begins to reign in chapter 11, and so those last chapters, 11 to 29, Notice, deal with the prominent events in David's life, the division of the people, and then David's farewell address in chapters 28 and 29. Now, the scope of the book, when you look at really what's going on, it, this is beyond the genealogies, because if you included those years, there would be many more years, but as far as the events that are taking place in this book, they cover a period of about 40 years. So it's not a, a lengthy time span. But when you look at it, much happened in this book in a 40-year period. The writer, Ezra, is likely the author or the compiler of this book. Information is drawn from many sources. That would be the Chronicles of David, Samuel the Seer, Nathan the Prophet, Gad the Seer, the Prophecy of Ahijah, the story of the book of Israel's kings, and the book of the kings of Judah. So there are many sources that we see that site that Ezra was probably used of God to be the human pen of this particular book known as Chronicles. Now, when was it written? Likely during or maybe shortly after the Babylonian captivity, about 586, somewhere in there, and 538 B.C. It was written somewhere in the land of Palestine, probably 
Jerusalem or close to Jerusalem. The key chapter is the very first chapter because it establishes that David becomes king. The key verse you'll find in chapter 15, look at verse number 2. Then said David, or then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. Now when you look at those words, and of course, there's examples in the Bible where they tried to do things differently. They tried to put it uh, they try to put it on a, a new cart, and they try to do various things. When I look at this verse, I see that David was all about doing the right thing in the right way. You say, what way? God's way. And I think that when we get away from what thus saith the Lord, and we try to do things our way, that's when we are headed for destruction. We're going to find ourselves in trouble, and David was a man that wasn't a perfect man, but he was uh, wanting to do things the right way. The key word in the book of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, is the word reign. The key phrase you find is that he wants to build thee in house. 1 Chronicles 29, 16, O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee and house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. Now, I want you to look at this, these two pictures here just as a reminder because God established and gave the pattern and gave uh, everything that he wanted in the one picture there on, on my left and on your right, which is the tabernacle that was in the wilderness. And certainly God had allowed David to, to get together some materials. And we see on the, on the other side of this picture the temple that was eventually erected and established a permanent place for God to come and that man could come and worship God and that God would dwell with them. And so we find the key thought is uh, reign with David, as we said earlier. A couple verses that we see in the Bible in the New Testament, Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 5.10. And hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. There's going to be some wonderful days ahead for God's people. And I love how we see the reign of David established there. The spiritual thought is, again, uh, around the life of David, that God would keep the royal line. Of course, all of this has to do with the Messiah eventually and what line he would be coming through. And so notice the uniqueness. A couple things that I loved as I studied this past week on the book known as First Chronicles. One of them that really got me was dealing with the temples of God. And there are many things that we see. Now, there's a verse in the book of Acts. Look at it with me. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth. Notice this, God dwelleth not in temples made with hands. See, in other words, it pleased God to reveal his glory and his honor. And as he did that, he honored his name through these temples. But the Bible says, now some of these were built with hands, but Understand how God came down, he dwelt among us, and so I want you to see some of these 
temples that the Bible's established, all right? Notice number one, the tabernacle, and we just saw a picture of it there, God's dwelling place in the wilderness and in Canaan, and that was for about a period of about 400 years. That was their place of worship. Now, the next thing we see is, of course, eventually Solomon's temple, and that was established, erected, and of course, it was desolated five years after the death of Solomon. And once the temple was gone, of course, because of the captivity, we see the establishment of what is known as synagogues. We still see these in our country today. Oftentimes, you can see pockets of Jewish people, and this would be their place of worship. Now, synagogues began in homes when Israel was in captivity. They were places of local meetings, assemblies of Jewish people, and they gathered together to worship uh, Jehovah God. And so we see the establishment of synagogues. Then we also see in the Bible what is known as Zerubbabel's temple. And of course, this particular temple was built after Israel's return from captivity. And so we see that. Then we see, number five, Herod's temple. Now this replaced Zerubbabel's temple. It was the temple of the day of Christ, all right? So Herod's temple, it was destroyed in 70 AD by Titus. And so you find all of these as places of worship. Now, interesting, going back to that verse, how God dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Notice the sixth one is Christ's body. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible teaches us that a body was prepared by God that Christ might tabernacle. The Bible says he took upon himself the form of a servant, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So God prepared a temple, a body. The Bible says in John 1.14, the Word, capital W, Jesus, was made flesh. God came down. He dwelt among us. The word dwelt, if you look it up, it means tabernacle. God dwelt. He tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In John chapter number 2, Jesus answered and said, notice Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it again. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? Notice the last statement. But he spake of the temple of his body. And of course, he was talking about how he would be crucified, that he would be buried, and in three days he would rise again. We just celebrated that on Resurrection Sunday not too long ago. Now look at this last verse, Hebrews 10, 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So God gave his son a body, a place that God could dwell while he was on this earth. And the Bible again says that he took upon himself, he veiled himself with flesh, and he, listen, he never ceased to be God, yet he became man. He was 100% God, 100% man. And so we see these temples of God. Notice another one, and I love this. We are the church, collectively as God's dwelling place. The Bible says in the New Testament that the church is made up of living stones that are fitly framed together, just as the stones for Solomon's temple were cut and fitted for the construction of the building. So the individual, listen to this, you and I, we are saved and we're made fit 
by Christ's finished work at Calvary. And so Jesus then, as we are saved, we are placed into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God. We become a part of the body. Of course, the head of the body is Christ. And we become a part of the body. And I love being a part of the church. And that, that is where we are currently right at now. Now notice number eight, talking about these temples of God. Let's talk a little bit individually about the believer's body. In Solomon's temple, we find that there were gates. And Solomon established and had these gates that were to be open every morning, the Bible says. They would, as they were open, they were open for one reason, for the service of God. Notice First Chronicles 9.23. So they and their children had the oversight of the gates of the house of the Lord, namely the house of the tabernacle by wards. And they lodged round about the house of God because the charge was upon them. And the opening thereof every morning pertained to them. Now when you look at that and you think about the believer's body, in the believer's body, the temple of God, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He dwells in us, the Bible says. And so just like in that day when we see the establishment of the temple, the place of God, there were these, these gates that would be open. Well, there are four gates to which are to remain open in our lives for the service of God. Notice the gates. One of them is our mouth. Listen, we praise the Lord with our mouth. We ought to continually be praising God with our mouth. Notice another gate is the ears. Hearing, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Notice another gate that is to be open is our eyes. The Bible says that there were many things Jesus taught but people could not see them. This morning we looked at a passage where his, his disciples, after many times Jesus telling them that he was going to go away, that he was going to be crucified, they still did not get it. And so one of the gates that should remain open is our eyes, and then probably one of the most important ones is the last gate, and that is our heart. You see, until the Lord gets in, our lives will not be changed. And we see that <clears throat> these gates are a part of the temple that is our body, and these gates must be open and remain open for the service of God, our mouth, our ears, our eyes, and our hearts. And then notice number nine, talking about the temples of God, the heavenly tabernacle, and this was established, the Old Testament tabernacle was a type or a pattern of a more perfect tabernacle or temple. Notice in Hebrews chapter number nine, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. Notice, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. But notice where did Christ go? He went into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. And God's people said, amen, right? So Jesus went into the presence of God, and he, he atoned for the sins of the world. And the Bible says he, liveth, he, he is making intercession for us. 
he ever liveth, the Bible tells us. And boy, it's exciting. I went through those rather quickly, but just those temples that I went through are a tremendous study, and that is something that I, I looked at. I wish I had more time to spend on that, but hopefully you'll do a little more studying on each one of those yourself. Now, notice also, as we think about our theme for the year, I usually try to give in each one of these books as an overview, ways that Christ is magnified. And in First Chronicles, Jesus is shown in the two houses. And what I mean by that is he's seen, first of all, in the house of David, he's seen as God's king. And then we also see that he is there in the house of God, which is God's temple. So notice, first of all, Jesus is God's king. He's the king that the people were waiting for, they were hoping for. Remember the oppression that God's people were under? They were looking for somebody to deliver them. What is a savior? A savior is a deliverer. And God sent them a savior and a great one. They were waiting for, they were hoping for. Now the sad reality is they missed it. They're still looking. And Jesus has come. He has given his life. But they were. he became the king of the people and notice, who perfectly worship God, people who perfectly worship God, and those that follow his law. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne, to be king for the Lord thy God, because thy God loved Israel, to establish them forever. Therefore made he thee king over them, to do judgment and justice. Jesus is God's king. And then notice, secondly, Jesus is God's temple. Now, we covered a little bit of this, but the temple was the place where people would come. You know the stories, how they would come. They would approach God by means of a sacrifice. They would bring their sacrificial animal. And the temple, of course, was the place where God was present among them as they came to spend time with the Lord. Now, when you get to when God finally sent his son in the fullness of time, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, notice verse 21. The Bible says, She shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for, look at the words, he shall save his people. See, it wasn't by the blood of bulls and goats, but it was by the precious blood of God's own dear son. The Bible says that he shall save his people from their sins. Now look at this. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name, what's the word? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Remember, we go back to the tabernacle. God came down to us. Man cannot go up to God. God came down to us. And we find here the establishment of the fact that Jesus is God's temple. Notice Jesus is revealed in meticulous details concerning the Messiah. He's revealed in the heart of King David to do what? To build the temple and, of course, his sacrificial efforts then to empower Solomon, his son, to complete the task. David passed this on to his son Solomon. Jesus sacrificially positioned us, you and I, to continue the work of building God's kingdom. Now look, 
you and I are not building it. God is the one that gives the increase. But see, we need to be doing our part. We need to be witnesses unto him. We need to be telling others about him. We need to know him in a way that only comes by having intimate relationship with him, to know him as our Lord and Savior, and to know him as David knew him. And we must endeavor to know him in a greater way in our lives. And I pray that we would do that as we continue to study the Word of God. Now, in conclusion tonight, First Chronicles records the providence of God in delivering Israel from bondage to the reign of King David. Now, again, keep your mind around that. If you haven't read it already and you want to go read it, but God delivering Israel from the bondage, from the captivity to the reign of King David. The book also records the story of the preparation of the temple and its worship, and we've talked about that. Now, through the hardships and the trials and the wars and the conquests, the ups and downs, all that they went through, God had brought them to a permanent place of worship. And notice God is now using David here in First Chronicles in one of his final addresses to point out the goodness of the Lord to Israel. Before David leaves the scene, before David's life expires, he reminds them of the goodness of the Lord. And of course, we even heard about that from Sister Joyce Chen this morning, the goodness of the Lord. Solomon, who is about, look, listen to this, Solomon's about to sit on the throne of his father David. And Solomon hears David say, these words to the entire congregation, look at them with me. First Chronicles 29, 20. David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God. And all the congregation blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord and the King. Brother Kenny, why don't you come, if you would, and lead us in a song that we've been singing as we think about Solomon about to sit on the throne. 